So this morning we have the privilege to hear uh, two testimonies from our young adults at Courtright. We're going to hear from Chelsea Giesbrecht and Callum McLeod, both who have been uh, up to various things over the past uh, number of months. But as always, it's really, really important that we just uh, frame what we're about to hear in Scripture. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking two stories out of the early life of Jesus, kind of the post, uh, post-birth post narratives. Uh, and today we're going to be hearing uh, from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is the story of the Magi who brought gifts to Jesus at great risk. And so let's hear these words now together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of the king of King Herod, uh, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was, disur- he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together the people's chiefs, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream to not go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So these magi have come from some unknown origin in the East. Some say Persia or modern-day Iran. Some say further into the Middle East. Some say even as far as India. Regardless, these men have come a long way. They have been compelled uh, by the Spirit of God, by this new star that has appeared. And they are seeking this child king. This journey must have been time-consuming. Um, It must have taken weeks and months to arrive with preparation and planning. Uh, Their task to find the king of Jews was not a light one by any means. Their sacrifice was great. They even ran the risk of being imprisoned or perhaps even killed by King Herod for disobeying his orders. But still, they brought these precious gifts to Jesus. They brought their best before the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. The arrival of Jesus, similarly, it demands a response from all of us. Particularly for the Magi, they went to great lengths to honor Jesus and to bring gifts to him. And today, we get to hear two stories of how people have responded to God's call to grow in their gifting, to grow in their knowledge of God, and Uh, So would you please welcome me as we hear from Chelsea Giesbrecht, followed by Callum McLeod.
But let's pray first. Lord, would you illuminate our hearts as we hear stories of what you are doing among a new generation of Christ followers. May these stories encourage us and may they raise our faith. Thank you that you are at work here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name's Chelsea, and I'm so excited to be talking to you today a little bit about what I've been up to for the last year and a bit. So some of you may know that last September, I flew to Kona, Hawaii um, to the Youth with a Mission Base there, or YWAM, um, to do a program with them called the School of Biblical Studies. And originally, it was supposed to be nine months in Hawaii, kind of from September to June, um, but I ended up coming home in March. Um, and finishing the school online. It took a little bit longer, so I was doing online school till August. Um, and then I had planned to go back to Kona. Um, that fell through with just everything that's going on. And so I've just been in Guelph working um, and yeah, spending time here. But I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about my school and just all that the Lord's been doing in my life. So, yeah, I was doing, like I said, what was called the School of Biblical Studies, or SBS. Um, and even though I was in Hawaii, I did not go to the beach that much. Um, the program I was in was super full on. It was super intense. I basically spent all day, every day for like 11 months studying the Bible, which, I mean, I can't complain. It's basically the best way you could spend your days. Um, and we used um, a method called the inductive method, which if you've ever been a part of the community Bible study here, that's the method we use here. Um, it was definitely a little more ramped up um, the way I was doing it. We had like 12 steps that we would apply to every single book of the Bible um, because we went through every single book individually, chronological order. Um, and so like the first step would be to read the whole book from start to finish in one sitting out loud. So for books like, I don't know, Ruth, that's not that hard, but for books like Isaiah or Ezekiel, um, I would literally spend like five hours in our living room just reading out loud and my voice was like dead by the end. But it's honestly so amazing. I never read any books like that, but I would definitely recommend doing it if you haven't. Um, and then we would spend a long time looking into all the historical background and cultural background, which was my favorite part because I had never really clued into the fact that kind of every single book of the Bible is written for like or was written for a really specific group of people like at a specific time. There was obviously like an author who wrote it and I loved learning about that. Um, and I felt like it introduced me to God in a way I'd never seen him before, which was as like the author of the Bible. And it just taught me so much about his intentionality and his kindness, um, just to see how he, like through all these different authors, like wrote these books to people who like needed them at that time. And I thought that was so cool. Um, so we would just like spend hours poring over these Bible dictionaries, which I never knew that was a thing, a Bible dictionary, but now I'm like obsessed with them. <laughs> They're so fun, so helpful. Um, and yeah, we'd write up this big paper and then we'd literally go through every single book, like verse by verse, observing the text and like bombarding it with questions um, and just getting as much out of it as we could. And then the very last step was application obviously, because if you're not applying the Bible to your life, what are you doing? Um, and usually our application would come from like a key verse that really stood out to us. And 
so many stood out to me. It was usually so hard to pick just one verse, but I wanted to share one verse that stood out from like the whole Bible to me, um, which is Psalm 27, four. And it says, one thing I've, I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Um, I love that verse so much. Every time I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is the dream, like to dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze at his beauty. Like, are you kidding me? Um, and obviously we're not going to experience the fullness of that on this side of eternity, but I think that one of the closest ways we can experience maybe even just like a smidgen of that is to read the Bible and to just dwell in the Lord's presence and to let him speak to us through the word. Um, And yeah, I think just spending 11 months studying the Bible taught me so much about like the infinite nature of the Lord. I used to think that maybe one day I would like have not like exhausted the Bible, but kind of like read and be like, okay, like I'm not learning anything new. And I, just learned I'm so wrong about that I like there's never like we could study the Bible every single second for the rest of our our lives and have just like barely scratched the surface um and that used to kind of scare me a bit but now I think it's excites me so much that um like the beauty of the Lord is just like it's infinite like we could look at him literally every day forever and like again only a scratch the surface of his glory and his majesty which I think is so exciting and yeah I think that kind of just brings me to like future plans I feel like studying the Bible for myself like ignited such a like I said like excitement and fire in me I'm like oh my gosh I just want to learn all there is to learn which obviously we're never going to but I just want other people to be like excited like that about the Bible because I used to see it as kind of daunting and um, just like not super applicable to me. Um, But I think my mindset was so shifted in that. And so I would so love to do something that involves like teaching people about the Bible or mostly like teaching people how to study the Bible because I think that was such a big thing for me was I'd read the Bible before and learned about it um but it wasn't until I like really was equipped with the right tools to study it um and for me like the inductive method was so helpful um like the inductive method and the holy spirit those are a good pair (laughs) um that's when the bible like really came alive to me and I felt the lord was really speaking to to me through it and so um yeah it seems like for now I'm in Guelph just with all the craziness going on but um next fall I'm really hoping to go back to Hawaii and maybe join the staff team um with the school of biblical studies we'll see what happens I'm not really sure but um yeah I just want to say to everyone like open your bibles there's so much to learn um And one thing we learned about a lot in our school is just like biblical literacy among Christians is so high. Um, So many people like don't really know what the Bible says. And even for me, some of the stuff I read, I was like, I did not know the Bible said this. Oh my goodness. Um, But I think it's important to wrestle through your questions and your doubts and just to open it up. I think the Lord is so much he wants to teach us and so much he wants to reveal to us about his nature um, and his love towards us and just his glory. And 
if we only just take a second to slow down and to dwell in his presence and to gaze at him, I think there's just so much he wants to deposit into our hands and into our hearts. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and thanks for all your support over the years and in all my endeavors. And I think that's all for now. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you don't know me, that was pretty loud. That's okay. If you don't know me, my name is Cal McLeod. I'm 18 years old. Uh, I've been going to KPC for 10 years now. This past spring, I graduated from high school, um, and I have the incredible privilege uh, this morning to share with you guys some of the things guys have been teaching me over the past few months. And I know that some of these mornings, Mr. McLeod Sr. can get a little bit boring, a little bit slow, so hopefully uh, Mr. McLeod Jr. can brighten things up a little bit. Uh, and I'm really excited to be here. For those of you who didn't know, this past school term from September to early December, I was a student at a Cape Henry Bible School on a small island called Thetis Island. Thetis is just a few kilometers off of Vancouver Island in BC and is part of the Gulf Islands. The program works to integrate all students into a Christian community that revolves around service done by the students along with daily classes ranging from studies of books of the Bible to more topical studies such as the character of God. Through the many opportunities of service every day and certain days that are set aside to only work on upkeep around the property, us students get the chance to live out and practice what we're learning in classes. The program had a wrench thrown into it by COVID, as many things did. But the staff considered prayerfully how they should continue. And there were different measures put in place to make sure the 90 students were safe and socially distant, apart from their bubbles, which were the five or six people who shared the room with them. Here's a picture of my room the night before we left. There was also ample free time, and it made for some very fun afternoons of different groups of people getting into whatever trouble we possibly could. Overall, the first term was fantastic. I absolutely loved it, and I'm praying if God wills it that I'll be able to return to BC later on in January. All right then, let's get into the meat of this thing. Throughout the months I was in BC, one of the things I reflected on the most was the presence of God. It is not by coincidence that one of the biggest questions I've had in my walk as a Christian is how at times God can feel so present and other times so distant. The more I reflect on my life though, I'm aware that God has been constantly revealing himself to me, yet very often I have turned away because it's something I didn't want to hear. I've also come to believe that this turning away comes from a lack of trust in God. Last year, I had just graduated from high school, and throughout my grade 12 year, I was questioning what I wanted to do with my life. I had flirted with a few universities and colleges before settling on a year of Bible school as maybe even a means of pushing back my choice of schooling. For Bible school, I chose a Cape Marine school in Germany called Bodensjof. I was incredibly excited to get away from home and be in another continent, especially after COVID had kept me trapped inside for so long. Right at the end of summer though, a month before I was to fly out, because of COVID, Bodensioff announced they would be closed for the fall term. I was pretty devastated and scrambled for another option of a Bible school. I found one in the United States, but because of COVID, travel insurance was very hard to get, and I wasn't sure if it would work out. I then found, about, I found out about Cape Ray Harbor in BC and applied, but my application got a response saying they were full, and there's a very slim chance that I would get in. Now throughout this time, I had so many people in my life praying for something to open up and for a way to get into a Bible school. But looking back, my heart was far from the right place. That year of searching for universities, I left God completely out of my plans. As I looked to the future and planned my way to success, God was at the back of my thoughts. I decided I would be champion of my own destiny and put trust in myself over trust in God. And when I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous, but this placing of trust in God is something that needs to happen every day for us as Christians. God showed me this before I'd even flown out of province. By placing me at a Bible school, I'd put so far at the bottom of my list that I did not even think of applying until two weeks before it opened. And then, as God closed doors to the programs, I'd closed doors to other programs, I miraculously received a call saying that someone had dropped out and I'd been accepted in BC. And when I showed up in BC, half still wishing I'd be able to go to Germany, the first week was a total blast and things only got better from there. 
there's no doubt in my mind that God had planned BC and the people there before I'd even considered it. God provides and calls us to faith in harsh times and in good times. In Mark 5, Jesus is headed to heal a synagogue official's daughter when servants of the official bring the news that she has died. When Jairus, the name of the synagogue official, and Jesus hear this news, Jesus says to Jairus in verse 36, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. Jesus continued on and incredibly raised this 12-year-old girl from the dead. Jesus' command of do not be afraid, only believe, is pertinent to us every day, but especially now with this second lockdown coming. Complementing this idea, I have a passage from 2 Corinthians. This is chapter 4, verses 8 to 18. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus, and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, tra- for the things that are seen are transient, the things that are unseen are eternal. Another big idea that has really begun to grasp me is the importance of action in my life as a Christian. Especially at Christmas, I think it is important for us to look upon the cross and what it symbolizes, the death of God incarnate. A death meant to humiliate. An experience so painful, one of our most intense English words for pain, the word excruciating, was born in describing the pain of the cross. It is no mistake that this symbol we talk about so casually now is the icon for followers of Christ around the world. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, the God of eternity, came to earth as a ransom for us and to serve us. The cross, among other things, represents our calling as Christians. Just as Jesus came to serve us, we are to serve others. As I reflect on my life as a Christian, I am ashamed to say that far too often it is devoid of action. Far too often I choose the road well-traveled and forget the way God has called me to a life of sacrifice. I've been challenged to look around for better ways to love my family and my community. I have another passage here from 2 Peter, and this is from chapter 1, verses 2-9. to May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Overall, though, if I had to summarize what I've learned 
and the knowledge I've come to possess at Cape and Ray. It is best summed up in a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. I'm beginning to understand the life Jesus has called me to, the surrender of my desires and dreams, the picking up of my own cross every day. And as I continue in faith, my hunger for God and my love of others are the things I see increasing day after day. I want to finish here with a couple more passages and a quick prayer. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 15-24. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gives a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And to finish here, this is a prayer which is written by Sir Francis Drake, who was an officer in the English Navy during the 16th century. And there's a lot of references to the ocean and being out in the ocean, so that's why. Let's pray. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true, because we have dreamed too little, when we arrived safely, because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we've allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show their mastery. We're losing sight of land. We shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. Amen.